Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. Well, I want to continue our deep dive into Genesis. If you'll turn to Genesis uh, chapter 4, um, I'll begin in, in verse 17 here in a little bit. You know, we're, we're looking at the, this foundational uh, uh, book and foundational study in the, in the beginning chapters of, of Genesis because it sets the stage uh, for uh, everything else. And so God created mankind and mankind fell. And, um, you know, after mankind fell, God made it clear that there was going to be two groups of people on this earth. There would be the spiritual offspring of the serpent and there would be the spiritual offspring of uh, the woman. And so, you know, that happens in chapter 3, and it plays out then in chapter 4, where, you know, the whole Cain and Abel thing happened. Uh, Cain, uh, the spiritual offspring of the serpent, uh, killed Abel, the spiritual offspring of uh, the woman. And, and so God confronts Cain about what he did, and Cain is completely unrepentant, unremorseful, unremorseful. Uh, you know, God's trying to give him a chance to, to confess. God's trying to give him a chance to repent and, and, and change. And he's like, no, I'm not going to have any part of that. God asks him, where's your brother? And he's like, am I my brother's keeper? Well, yeah, actually, well, you are. Well, I mean, his, God confronts Cain. Cain is cursed. He is thrust away from the presence of God. He is thrust away from the land in which he lived. Uh, God said that the land would no longer yield fruit for him. Uh, he'd have a hard time working the ground, which, you know, that, that's hard for Cain because, remember, Cain was described as an agriculturalist. The offering that he had brought to God was of the fruit of the ground, and there was nothing wrong with it being the fruit of the ground. It's just that Cain's heart was wrong. He kind of gave God the leftovers. And, and so that, that was the, the whole uh, issue. But because the ground wouldn't, you know, really be fruitful for him, I mean, he lost a lot of his identification. I mean, he, he, he was going to be kind of cast away from most of his people. He would be a, a, a vagabond. He'd be a wanderer. He wouldn't be the farmer, the agriculturist that, that he was. But, you know, none of that really bothered him. The only thing that, that really bothered Cain was the possibility that someone within his family would take uh, revenge on him for what he had done to Abel. And uh, so that's the, only, that's the only thing he says. He's not, he's not sorry that he killed Abel. He's not sorry that he, you know, sinned against God. He's just afraid, well, somebody might kill me. But God shows mercy, even to someone like Cain, and gives him some sort of mark. I'm not really sure what it is, but, you know, God says, no, you're, you're protected. No one's going, going uh, to touch you. But you're, you're out of here. You, you, you got to go. And, and, and so Cain leaves the area of, of Eden, you know, the there was the land of Eden, the Garden of Eden was somewhere there in the land. Well, now Cain is kicked uh, out of there. 
And Cain begins his own line of descendants. And so you have Cain's descendants, and then, you know, there'll be another chosen line that we'll, we'll talk about um, next week, but they go on very different, different paths. Because God chooses a specific descendant, a specific son of Adam through whom the elect people would come. And then there's Cain. He has a completely different descendancy. And we're going to actually look at that tonight because it's very interesting that, uh, you know, Moses is writing this, getting it from God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And God tells us about the descendants of Cain, which is interesting because in about another chapter and a half or so, all of them are going to die in the flood. And yet, it's interesting, they make some contributions to the world, both good and bad. So, you know, there's the line of the serpent, there's the line of Cain, and there's the line that God is going to choose, and eventually the Messiah would come uh, from that line. Now, Cain's descendants obviously weren't the only ones that were killed in the flood, because only one person in his family were, were saved in the flood. So there was a whole lot of people who were, who were, were killed there. But we, we want to look at the, this lineage of Cain because God put it in there for a reason. I mean, you, know, you, you, you wonder, well, if they're going to die, and frankly, they're the lineage of Cain, why put it in there? Well, it's because there's some interesting things uh, that we learn about them. And so I'm going to read verses 17 through 24 of Genesis chapter 4. It says that Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built, uh, when he built a city, he, named the, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Erad, and Erad fathered Mehujael, and Mehujael fathered Methushael, and Methushael fathered Lamech. And Lamech took, took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Namah. Now Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And, and, and so... One of the first things that I find interesting is that even though Cain is cursed, God still uses Cain to fulfill the commission that he had given to mankind. You know, the Cain, he went out from the land of Eden to the land of, of Nod or Node, however it might be pronounced, and I guess that is east of Eden, and he began to settle that area. And you know, what we learn, I guess, in summary, is that Cain, he multiplied, he subdued the land, and he began to have, take dominion over the land. That was the commission, that was the charge 
that God had given humanity. And you would think that, well, Cain, he's kind of been disqualified because, well, he's a murderer. He was kicked out of Eden. Yet God still used him to continue fulfilling that charge. And so he does. So he goes to Nod or Node, and, and he builds cities and he has people, you know. So, it, you know, it begins, the, the, the chapter begins, or this section begins, rather. You know, Cain, he knew his wife and, and they bore a, a, a son. Now, obviously, this was not the only son that Cain had, but, you know, the, the Bible just zooms in on one part of the family, the part of the family that has to do with what it is God is trying to say. I mean, yeah, Cain had other children and they went and did other things, but we're, we're just, you know, honing in here on Enoch. You know, it's like, you know, I've worked on my, I've been working on genealogy for years. And, you know, I, I might look at my great-grandfather but, you know, my great-grandfather isn't the only child of my great-great-grandfather, but if I want to follow my line and get to, get to the point of where I am in this family tree, I just look at that one branch. I don't look at all the other branches that are going on. That would be hundreds or thousands of, uh, uh, of people. And that's the case here. You know, we're just zooming in on one particular descendancy here. And so it says that Cain had a wife, and they had a son, and they named him Enoch, and it's a different Enoch than the one that we'll, we'll meet in the next chapter. Now, uh, there's this long-standing, if you want to call it a long-standing joke, or if you want to call it a long-standing question, where in the world did Cain get his wife? You know, some people think that just because the Bible only talks about Cain and Abel, that Adam and Eve only had those two sons. Well, where in the world did the girls come from? Well, that's not the case. Again, you know, that, that part of the story, they're just zooming in on certain people. Adam and Eve had other children. By the time that the whole Cain and Abel situation happened, they had been having other children for many years, and those children had children, and those children's children had children, and so on and so forth. So, where did Cain get his wife? Well, she was either his sister or his niece, or something like that. Now, you know, that comes out of my mouth, and you think, well, that's just plain weird. I mean, I hope you would think it would be weird, or icky, or you know, whatever. But, but think about that, they didn't have anybody else. And now this is pure conjecture on my part, but the, the, the genes, the human genes were probably much more pure than, the genetic code was much more pure than, than it is now, and so they wouldn't they wouldn't have had the disease issues, you know, maybe that we would have in our day and age for such a, a thing. And, and so, you know, it, it was perfectly fine, you know, that, at that time. Again, he didn't have anybody else. I mean, everything started with Adam and Eve and went, you know, went out from there. So Cain had a wife. She's not named because it's just not the focal point. We're looking at a particular line of Cain to show that even a murderer like Cain can fulfill God's work. And so he built a city, and he named the city after his son. And you, you might think that building the city goes against, like, the curse that, that God put on him. Because it says, you know, he's supposed to be a wanderer or something like that. But, you know, that might just mean that he's supposed to wander away from 
the people. He's supposed to wander away from his family. I mean, another thing we might consider is that maybe the city was built for Enoch, and it was for his descendants as well. Uh, but one way or another, you know, God doesn't seem to make a big deal of it. I mean, some scholars suggest that, you know, by building this city, this was another way of Cain just kind of shaking his fist at God. You say I'm going to be a wanderer? Yeah, I'm going to show you. I'm going to build a city, and I'm going to stay there. But I don't know if there's really any indication of that because building the city didn't get any sort of response from God. And so Cain, murderer, line of, descendant of the serpent spiritually. Mad at God, mad at everybody, but he goes off, he's still fulfilling, fulfilling God's mission of subduing and taking dominion. And he, you know, the, the genealogy continues because Enoch had uh, Arad and Arad or Irad had all, all these other names that are hard uh, to pronounce and, and some of these names are just kind of glossed over well you know there was this person and then there was this person and then there, there was this person but then all of a sudden you get to this Lamech dude so if I if I did everything correctly he's the great great grandson of of Cain and he's focused in, uh, you know, that we, we focus in on him for a couple reasons. One, because of his, his kids and what his kids did. But also because Lamech seems to have the same hard attitude of Cain. Because, you know, we, we read, you know, Cain felt wronged and so he decided to kill his brother. Well, Lamech felt wrong and he decided to kill someone as well. So they're both murderers. But before we get to that part of the story, let, let, let me focus in on Lamech's children real quick. Because uh, to me, okay, sometimes I'm just a theologi theological nerd or whatever. I'm a Bible nerd. I mean, these things just kind of interest me. You might, you might, it might bore you to tears. But the, the children just interest me because of what it says about them. So Lamech, he had two wives. And... Again, that, that sounds weird. I mean, we're, we're used to there being polygamy in the Bible. Um, but, you know, that's not the original way God intended marriage to be. If you, when, whenever you read any of the stories that involve polygamy, nothing good ever comes out of it. There is constant strife, as there should be, right? But he had two wives anyway, and, you know, he, why, just like the rest of the world, why follow God's standard when I can do my own thing? You know, that, that seems to be the clear-in call of, uh, of the world. Lamech had these two wives, Ada and, and, and Zillah. And, again, we focus in on two children each. You know, two children are named, Jabal, Jubal, Tubal, Cain, and there, there must be some, some sort of wordplay going on there for them to all of a sudden But then there's, you know, the, the girl, Nama. She just kind of mentioned as an afterthought. But, you know, it, it, this is the interesting part to me. God records for us that it was from the line of Cain that all sorts of cultural, significant cultural discoveries happened. All these interesting cultural phenomena, these, if you want to call them inventions or whatever you want to call it, 
I mean, it, it all came from the line of Cain. The offspring of the serpent made significant contributions to society. And that might just sound strange to us. Why, why would God use Cain? Well, you know, we'll talk about that in, in, in a second. So you have Jabal. Now it sounds like, you know, Jabal, he, he, he lived in tents and he did the livestock thing. So it sounds like he was a bit of a, a nomad. But he made contributions toward agriculture and livestock and, and things like that. We could conjecture that, that this Jabal person made lots of advancements when it came to farming. I mean, who knows? He, he could have invented farming tools of some sort. He might have been the one. Now, this is complete conjecture, and I'm just kind of being, you know, my divine imagination is just kind of, or, you know, God, God won't strike me down, I hope, just conjecturing this. But, you know, my imagination is just kind of going, maybe he invented the plow. Or, or maybe he learned, well, you know what? You can, connect, you can connect some animals to the plow and make it go easier. Or something like that. Who knows? But he did, he had some interesting things to do with, uh, with, with farming. He, he was involved in advancing farming in some way, shape, or form. And then, you know, he had, he had his brother, and you know, I keep getting them mixed up because, well, frankly, the, the names sound exactly the same, Jabal and, and Jubal. But, but Jubal is the one who had advancement in music. You know, it says about, you know, the lyre and and, and things uh, uh, of that nature. And so, I mean, it's possible that he invented musical, some musical instruments, and it might be possible that he improved upon musical instruments. Um, again, here's some complete conjecture. Maybe he came up with some music theories or something. I don't know. But, you know, he, they, make it, they make it a point, or, you know, God makes this point, that this Jubal character, he contributed to the world's music in some way, shape, or form. And then there's Tubal Cain. It says that he forged instruments of bronze and, and iron. And, and so Tubal Cain figured out somehow how to take raw material out of the ground, melt it and smelt it and form it, so it would form into useful tools. So we might say he was the father of metallurgy. You know, if he figured out ways to manipulate and use metals to turn them into, into useful instruments. And so I find that fascinating that it comes from the line of Cain. And so, you know, they, they, it, it's not like they didn't have any contact with, you know, the rest of Adam and Eve's family. So they had these advancements in culture, and they must have shared it with, you know, elsewhere, and it just kind of spread from there. But it originated from the line of Cain, even though Cain is cursed, and, you know, his, his lineage is the non-elect lineage. I mean, that they, he, they, he has nothing to do with the line that's going to lead to the Messiah. And yet, these non-elect people are used by God for the betterment of the world. And so we might put it in our terminology today that God 
used lost people to make significant contributions to society for the betterment of the world. That's amazing to me. You know, that just shows that God can do anything and he can use anybody. Doesn't matter who, who they are. Just because someone is not part of the elect doesn't mean that God can't use them to do some things on this earth. I mean, you think of things in, in the past. I mean, you think of the Greeks. Now, the Greeks were just outright pagan idolaters. Zeus and Hera and the whole thing. And yet they made significant contributions in the areas of art and philosophy and things like that. And then you had the Romans. The Romans, they were just outright pagan idolaters. They had Saturn and all them. And yet, through the Romans, I mean, there were some legal and political contributions that they made to the world. Now, I don't want to take away the contributions made by believers, because guess what? Believers have made some great scientific contributions to the world. But God can use non-believers for the good of the world, which would then mean for the good of God's people as well. Because non-believers have come up with medical technology, and non-believers have come up with medicines, and, and non-believers have come up with other technologies. I mean, Steve Jobs, he was not a believer. He, he, he leaned towards some Buddhist kind of stuff. And yet, you know, how many of us are carrying around his phones and his iPads and his computers and, and things like that? I, I think these are good contributions. I mean, yeah, the technology is kind of a double-edged sword. I mean, yeah, it's, this is good for some uses, but when it takes up all your time and all you're doing is, you know, then that might not be so good. But, you know, unbelievers have made these um, contributions, so we can't deny that, and that, that's a God thing. You know, we can't just dismiss someone because they're not a Christian. From you know, we can't just overlook or dismiss their contributions that they make to society. I mean, for example, I mean, yeah, I I, I might prefer you know dealing with or seeing a Christian doctor, but guess what? There are non-Christian doctors who are very competent in what they do. And if they can fix me, and if they can heal me, I'll let God use them to do that to me. Because God, that's a God thing. That's a God's grace thing. And so we can't just, just because someone isn't a believer doesn't mean we just kind of overlook what they contribute. We're thankful that God can use them to do such things. And so Cain's descendants made an impact on the world in which they lived. But then we also notice something about Cain, Cain's descendants in that sometimes sin follows the family tree, you could say. You know, we might in our day and age talk about how alcoholism runs in the family. Drug addiction runs in the family, handed down from generation to generation. Well, we see that kind of happening here as well. 
Now, yeah, Cain had some descendants that did some good to the world. He also had descendants that, that, that sinned. I mean, this just shows sin is a reality. Sin is something that is passed down from generation to generation. It still does its dirty work. And however many generations we are down from, well, even Noah. I mean, just think, we're all descended from Noah. And Noah was righteous. Some of his kids, not so much, and grandkids. But, you know, it, even from Noah, sin was, was passed down. And it passed down to Lamech. It seems that someone who is much younger than Lamech did something to him, wronged him in some way, maybe hit him, because, you know, it talks about how he strikes him, or, or something. We really don't know what happened. But Lamech said, well, okay, you hit me, I'm going to kill you. And he, he killed them. He murdered them. You know, no pun intended, but that was a bit of overkill. You know what I mean? It just You get hit, you don't, you don't just kill someone. But it just shows, again, sin being passed down. Lamech knew the story of his ancestor, and he knew how God promised Cain protection. God does not give Lamech any sort of promise of protection whatsoever. But Lamech decides, well, I'm going to kind of grab hold of it for myself. Yeah, y'all think Cain was protected and it would be sevenfold against those who would hit Cain. Well, it's going to be 77-fold. You mess with me. I mean, he's claiming that for himself. You know, the number seven is the number of completion, of perfection. And so Lamech is saying, I am going to completely retaliate against anyone who comes after me. You mess with me, I'm going to completely wipe you out. You know, more than likely, he, he was saying, well, I'm going to kill anyone who comes after me just like I killed this other guy. Sin just knows no bounds. Lamech didn't have this privilege, he didn't have this prerogative, yet in arrogance, he claimed to do something that only God could do. So we see an interesting contrast here. Sin is real, and it keeps being passed down from generation to generation. So people like Lamech, they do their sinful things. And yet by God's grace, sin is not so debilitating that humanity, can, you know, that humanity can't do something good for society. And so even, even in Cain's line, the charge of subduing and taking dominion isn't lost, even there. And so it's, a, it's, it's an encouragement to us to continue the good work. And that good work isn't going to stop until Christ returns. But this section also ought to cause us to check ourselves to see what sins that we have that maybe have been passed down to us from generations before. Well, my grandpa was like this, and then my dad was like this, and now I'm like this. We need to make the decision that for the sake of the future generations, it stops here. No more. We want to we be the ones that say, whatever has been passed down, it stops with us. I do not want it to be a plague in my family. And so we want to pray that for ourselves, that you know what, whatever, if there's something that's been passed down, from generations, some sort of sin. That's it. It stops right here with me. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. 
For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.